Man, I'm excited to share this message with you today. And I, I, I want to say this to you. It's, it's one of those kind of a, more of a heavy topics. I, I want to talk to you about overcoming depression. Overcoming depression. And this is, this is real. Uh, I know personally. And matter of fact, several years ago, I was struggling with depression, but I didn't even know it. You know, in the middle of it, I, I didn't know that I was struggling with depression. I just knew I wasn't doing well. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling like myself. Um, I just, in that season, was feeling hopeless. It's the only time in 18 years of pastoring people's church in that season where Tiffany and I were talking and contemplating, you know, do we stay at people's church? Can we, can we pastor this church? I just was in a bad place. Um, I was isolating myself. I didn't want anything to do with people. I didn't want to be in a small group. You know, I mean, it's bad when the pastor gets in a small group, but he don't want to be in one. That's not good. You know what I mean? But I, that's where I was. I mean, I'm just being honest. That's where I was. I was like, and I, 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 I love people. I'm an introvert, but I really, I love people. Uh, I, I love seeing people. I love going in the hallway and, and shaking hands right now in the quarantine or in, the, in, in this, this virus. I'm just waving. And, but I love seeing people. And during that season when I was struggling with depression, didn't even know that I was struggling, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go out and shake hands. There was a season in our church, a, a short season, where I actually told the staff, I'm not going to shake hands. And I stayed in the green room in between services because I was depressed. And I had to muster up the strength just to preach. I didn't have any kind of energy to go shake hands. And I say this to you just to say that depression is real. I've dealt with depression. Listen to me. You can be a Christian full of the spirit and struggle with depression. You can be a pastor of a large church and struggle with depression. You could be a spiritual giant and have served the Lord for years and struggle with depression. And what I want us to say is don't be ashamed if you're struggling with depression today. You're not alone. We, we can get all ashamed if we talk about physical health. You say, oh, I'm struggling with my physical health. I'm struggling with my heart or my kidney. We'll have sympathy. We'll, we'll pray for you. Somebody says, I'm struggling with my mental health. Like, What's wrong with you? And I'm saying don't be ashamed if you're struggling today. Depression is a common mood disorder affecting more than 264 million people worldwide. And the number one mental health issue is characterized by persistent sadness and a lack of interest or pleasure in previously rewarding or enjoyable activities. People struggling with depression oftentimes can, 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 can struggle with having sleep problems, loss of appetite, always tired and exhausted, poor concentration, extreme sadness, feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness, and, and depression can be a result of some type of chemical imbalance. But, but experts say there are many possible causes that can lead a person to depression besides a chemical imbalance. As experts say, abuse 
can lead a person into depression, whether that's physical or sexual or emotional or a certain medication can can heighten d- depression, the risk of depression. Conflict, when someone's having conflict or disputes with a family member, friend or a co-worker, it can, it can lead to depression. Death, sadness or grief can lead to depression. Unemployment or loss of income can lead to depression. Major events, even major positive events like a new job or graduating or getting married can lead to depression. Events like moving or your kids moving out or getting divorced or retiring can lead to depression. Serious illness can lead to depression. Substance abuse, nearly 30% of people with substance abuse problems also have a major or clinical depression. Let me say this right up front. I think it's very important for me to say this right up front before we go any further. I'm not a doctor. I am not a expert and I'm not a professional counselor. I don't remotely have all of the answers on the subject of depression. So I'm not going to sit here today and talk to you from a medical perspective because I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not going to sit here and talk to you today from a professional counseling perspective because I'm not a professional counselor. I am a pastor. I am a preacher of the inspired word of God called the Bible. And so today I'm going to run in my lane and I'm going to give you a biblical perspective on depression. And I believe somebody's going to get free today. I believe God's going to speak today through his Word. So today, let me run in my lane and give you a biblical perspective on this complicated subject of depression. And I want to take us to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 and pick up reading in verse number one. We're going to just kind of analyze this portion of scripture about depression. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there. A servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die struggling with depression. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah was in a bad place. He was depressed. He was fed up. He was struggling with his self-worth. He was, he was struggling with feelings of, of hopelessness. He was in such a bad place. He wanted to die. He was having suicidal thoughts. And that can happen to people struggling with depression. They can begin to have suicidal thoughts. And today, if you are struggling with depression and struggling with suicidal thoughts, let me just pause and just say this to you. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. You got to get some help today Reach out and get help. 
There have been pastors that have told me, Pastor Herbert, that this right here has helped a lot of people. I've heard my pastor has, has said this, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Call that number. 800-273-8255. If you're, if you're struggling with thoughts of suicide, thinking about taking your life, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. Your life matters and God wants to use you. I want, I want to look at this from a biblical perspective and give you four don'ts from Elijah when facing depression. There are four don'ts, four things you do not want to do when you're struggling with depression. And the first is this. Don't listen to your fears. Don't listen to your fears. Notice this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2. It says, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid. He's listening to his fears. He was afraid and ran for his life. Now, if you look in the Bible one chapter earlier, like a day or so earlier, just one chapter earlier, Elijah had just called down fire from heaven and seen God move in a supernatural way. He had just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, I mean, Elijah is on the mountaintop. He's just had a huge victory. And now this woman is saying, I'm going to kill you. And instead of just being infused with faith, because he's already seen God send down fire from heaven, he is now listening to his fear and running for his life. Church, fear is loud. It'll scream at you. Fear can mess up your thinking. It can have you running from God. It can have you running for your life. It can, it can have you depressed and shackled. And in a difficult season, you can't allow fear to drown out your faith in God and all that he has done in your life. Listen, don't listen to your fears. Listen to your God. Don't turn to your fear. Turn to the promises of God. Don't let fear drown out the promises of God. Winning the battle over fear is so important to your health. Matter of fact, this is such an important subject that is plaguing so many people. I'm going to spend an entire week just talking to you about fear. Don't miss a week of this series. It's going to help you. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this thing called fear and the spirit of fear. Fear and somebody's going to have it broken off their life in Jesus' name. But don't listen to your fears. Number two is this, four don'ts when, when facing depression. Number two, don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Notice 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid, listened to his fears, and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Mistake. That's a mistake. Dealing with depression. Hey, brother, I don't need you. Leave me alone. I'm going to leave you here. I'm going by myself. And then the next verse says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He left his servant. He isolated himself. And what really jumps out at me, the Bible says, and then he went into the wilderness alone. And depression can drive you into a wilderness all by yourself. A lonely place, an isolated place, 
And one of the worst things you can do when you're facing depression is to get isolated. When you get isolated, depression becomes more intense. You can start feeling greater levels of hopelessness. You can start having and thinking crazy thoughts. And Elijah is starting to think thoughts like, my life is not worth living. He's all by himself. He's isolated in his thoughts. And how many know you can even be around people and still be isolated? Isolated in your thinking, isolated in your thoughts. And Elijah is thinking, my life is not worth living. I'm ready to die. And you and I make poor, bad, horrible decisions when we get isolated, when we get alone in our own thoughts. Isolation is one of the key ingredients that will plunge you deep into depression. This is one reason we have small groups. Listen, small groups is not a program. It's a lifeline. I mean, you just look at people right now and how mental health has skyrocketed as people had to isolate. Listen, small groups is not a little cute little program that we do once a quarter. Three or four times a year, we launch small groups. No, it is a lifeline. People need help. People need relationships. People need to connect. People need to grow spiritually together. This is so huge. I'm telling you, it'll change your life if you'll get in a small group. And I know some of you are like, Pastor, I'm an introvert. I really don't do people well. Listen, if you'll take the step of faith, get on here, find a small group and go to it and watch what God will do. Go to it via Zoom in person. Watch what he will do. Matter of fact, here's what I did because I just knew we had to help people in this season. And I know that the the Lord wants to use you to help people. I created an unhealthy series study right there. If you want to know what it looks like on the app or the website, it looks like that. They catch me at the most awkward moments, don't they? <laughs> but that, that's what it looks like right there. I'm happy and smiling. But if you get on there, what I did is that, like week one's already there for you to use. And you just click on it. There'll be a video of me. And it's about, it's about a 10-minute teaching, 8 to 10 minutes. And then I'll lead you in questions. Hey, question one. Hit pause and answer that question. So I will lead the group. Listen, would you get this? You don't even have to be a small group leader. You need to help people not be isolated. Maybe it's right there at the soccer practice that you've been hanging out with some people. Would you say, hey, look, my pastor just released something. But I think it can help us have some good conversation. Maybe it's at lunch break at your workplace. Maybe it's with your employees. Maybe it's, you can just, hey, you guys want to go through this together? My pastor just released, every week we're going to do it for the next six weeks, some videos that will help us engage in conversation, become more healthy. You can do this with your family. You can look at these with your family and take your family through it. I'm saying, listen, church, don't get isolated. Don't get alone in your own thoughts. We need community. We need to grow. We need to take steps towards health. And I'm doing everything that I can. I'm creating content and resources to help you get connected because the devil wants you isolated and get you depressed and get you thinking crazy thoughts. We are better together. Number three, number three, I want you to see another don't, another don't when you're facing depression. And number three is don't have a superhero complex. I want you to notice this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. He replied, and I have to admit to you when I, when I read this, it makes me laugh, just personally. I got a weird sense of humor sometimes, but it just makes me laugh. Here's what Elijah said. I have been zealous, very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. God, there's nobody else on the whole earth serving you but me. I'm the only one left. And listen, Lord, I'm the only one you got. And they're trying to kill me too. 
I mean, I just, I just think that's funny. Anyway, but I think that's hilarious. Elijah is just, he's just had a superhero complex. He's isolated. He's alone in his thoughts. He's thinking about this through this superhero complex lens. And listen, when you and I get alone in our thoughts, we start getting this superhero complex. And that's actually what brought on, helped bring on my depression. It was a season of our church. I was playing God. I was putting the weight of our church on my shoulders. I, I was trying to do it myself. I was trying to lead us forward myself. I, I, was, I was playing God. And when you have this superhero complex, it can plunge you into great levels of depression. When you start feeling like I have to rescue everyone. I have to do it all myself. I'm the only one who can do it. I'm the only one who can help. I'm the only one who can lead. I'm the only one who can make that decision. I'm the only one who can go to the hospital. I'm the only one who can take care of them. I'm the only one who can help those kids. I'm the only one who has the wisdom. I'm the only one who can do everything. And you start thinking that and you find yourself with this hoop superhero complex and it will cause you to get in greater depression because you will feel the weight of the world on on your shoulders and you know what I realized in that season that is God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit and not Herbert Cooper I am not a part of the Trinity y'all if I die God's purpose and plans will still go forward and I got some news for you it's gonna shock some of you if you die God's plan and his purposes will still go on. So here's what we do. Do what we can do and trust God with the rest. I'm not saying you don't do your part, but you do your part and then leave the rest to God. He still holds the whole world in his hands. In spite of all the chaos and all the division that we see, my God is still in control and has the last word. He is in control. I trust him with my life. Don't have the superhero complex. It can plunge you into great levels of depression. Number four is this. Number four is this. Don't neglect your health. Don't neglect your health. Notice this back in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. It says, while himself, he, 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 he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He's lonely in the wilderness, isolated. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He's angry. He's angry. He's fed up. He's had enough. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He's tired. He is worn out. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He's hungry. Elijah was suffering from what I call halt. I bring this up to you about once a year or so because it's so key to your health. Elijah was hungry. He was angry. He was lonely. He was tired. Halt! You're in the danger zone. You need to do something immediately when you're suffering from a halt. And some of you find yourself to there today. You're struggling with depression. You're facing all of these emotions and feelings of halt. I mean, you're hungry, constantly eating 12 o'clock at night, potato chips, ice cream, one in the morning, eating cake. Talking about I got to have it, I got to have it. It's that depression eating, you know what I'm talking about, that depression eating? 
You know how it is where you put a little, little, little dresser right next to your bed so you, can put the, so you have candy in it. So you just got a trash can right next to it. Eat three stickers. Lay it in your bed. It's that, it's, that, it's that depression eating. And some of you are hungry. Some of you are angry. You're angry. Things that normally don't make you mad are making you mad. People that don't normally bother you are bothering you and getting on your nerves. Everybody is frustrating you. Everybody. Why are you looking at me like that? Why are you smiling at me like that? It's just everybody's setting you off emotionally. You are, you are, you're tired, you're angry, and now you're tired. You're wore out. Well, I, I felt this when I was struggling with depression. You have nothing left to give. You wake up in the morning after sleeping and you're still tired. You eat a good meal and you're still tired. You go to bed at night and you're still tired. You're just tired. And now you find yourself lonely. You're isolating yourself. And you're even sometimes around people, but you're alone in your thoughts. You're isolated. You're, you're pushing people away. Some of you even today, you're in a depressing place and you don't even realize it, but you're saying to yourself, I don't need a small group. He can keep putting that iPhone on if he wants to talk about them small. I'm not going to no small group. And that's your problem. That's your problem. You're lonely. You're by yourself. You're saying, I don't need people. And that's just not the truth, but it's the trick of the enemy. You, I, you think I can make it all by myself and you can't. Halt. You're in a dangerous zone. You're in a dangerous place. And whenever we find ourselves in halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, we got to do something. Don't stay there. Do something. Do something. Do something. And I want to switch gears with you right now. And I want to give you four do's when facing depression. Four do's when facing depression. Number one is this, do be honest with God. Do be honest with God. We live in a fake world. And I'm not saying everything fake is bad. That's not what I'm insinuating. But I am saying that being in a fake world can condition us to be fake with God and to be fake with others. I mean, we, we can find ourselves there. Because that's our culture. We just, we just, we just it's all about fake. No, it's not, 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 you know, fake nails. Nothing wrong with fake nails. You look cute in them fake nails. Praise the Lord, that's good. Fake teeth, I'm glad you got you some of me. So you can eat your chicken. You know, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with fake teeth. Eat. I'm on fake hair. It's good. I, it's fake hair. Praise the Lord for your fake hair. Fake bodies. Fake bodies and fake faces. Nothing wrong with you. Praise the Lord. Fake pictures. You got like 29 filters on those pictures. You just got, that's not even your color. You got all the pictures, all the, all the filters on that picture. It, 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 was a, it was a month or so ago, I was, I was in a coffee shop. And a lady walked in and bought a cup of coffee. And that's not what caught my attention. What caught my attention is she sat down in a, in a chair. And, and I thought, you know, I thought, oh, that's cool. She's, she's taking a picture of herself to send to a friend. And she, she took a picture. And I thought, oh, that's awesome. But what caught my attention is she didn't stop. She, she took another one and another one. Oh, no, 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 I'm serious. I'm not. And then she got the coffee and she moved the cup around. No, 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 no I'm, I'm serious. I was just watching, like, unbelievable. She, doesn't, she has no shame in her game. She is working this coffee shop. And then she stood up. She stood up, got stuff, started positioning it all, the coffee and cup. And she, 
I was like, after 10 minutes of that, her coffee was cold, y'all. I'm like, why'd you buy a cup of coffee? Just ask her for a cup so that you get the perfect picture to post on your social media that you went to the coffee shop and drank cold coffee. Can I tell you, we live in that kind of world where we got to have the perfect picture, the perfect look, have ourselves all together, and we can find ourselves always posing, always putting up a front that we don't even know how to be real with God and to be real with people. Being fake can just become a part of the very fabric of who we are. And if you don't know the Lord today, let me say this to you. Christians can be the worst. We even got our own language about how we're doing. How are you doing today? Oh, praise the Lord. I'm blessed. Argued all the way to church. Hit your kids, pinched them, twist them, slapped them. Got to church. How you doing? Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Whoa, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Full of the Holy Ghost. And then we take that to God. And we take that to people. But that wasn't Elijah's response in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4. It says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed, I mean a raw prayer, that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah was in a bad place. But what I like about Elijah is he was real with God. He prayed an authentic, real prayer. He took off the mask. He wasn't fake. He said, God, I'm tired. I'm fed up. I don't even want to live any longer. And he got real with God. And church, if you're struggling, be real with God. God can handle it. God's a big God. He's not intimidated by you being real with him. Take off the mask and just tell God how you feel. Tell him your struggles. Tell him what you're going through. Be honest with God. Matter of fact, all throughout scripture, people were honest with God. Psalm chapter 18, verse 6 says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my, my God for help from his temple. Notice this. He heard my voice. God didn't go, mm, you distressed, not working out for you. No, no, that's, that wasn't God's response. He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Psalm 120, verse 1 says, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him. Notice this. And he answered my prayer. God's not intimidated by your troubles, by your issues, by your dilemmas, by your depression. You got to take them to the Lord. Psalm chapter 61 verse 1 says, hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. My heart's growing faint. My heart grows weary. But I'm calling to God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What I'm saying, church, if you're struggling, be honest with God. Let me give you some encouragement. Be honest with God and find one or two people to be honest with. It's something you got to do. It's something you have to do. Number two is this. Do get a touch from heaven. Do get a touch from heaven. Notice in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel, God sent an angel and touched him and said, get up and eat. 
Another spiritual key to overcoming depression is to get a touch from heaven. You need heaven to come to earth. A touch from God, church, can change everything. Elijah got a touch from heaven, and then he got a second touch from heaven. I love that, because sometimes you need a second touch. You need a third touch. You need God to consistently touch your life. And notice what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Listen, church, getting a touch from heaven is life altering. Having an encounter with God can lift you out of depression. Sometimes we get so focused on needing God's provision and needing God's protection that we forget how much we need his presence. You need his presence. When you're not doing good, you need the presence of the Lord. And here's what God told Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 11. He said, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by and Elijah left under that tree no doubt he didn't want to he didn't feel good he was struggling with halt but he got up and he went to the mountain and he waited for the presence of God to pass by when you're struggling you need to put yourself in environments where the presence of God is going to pass by. Church is not an option. You got to be in the presence of God, whether it's in person or online. You want to be in, in an environment where the presence of God is going to pass by and touch your life every single week. I mean, you need the presence of God. Going to a small group is not an option. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And you need to be with some other Christians so that the presence of God will pass by and touch your life. I mean, that's that's why we worship God at People's Church. We're not in the entertainment business. Can I thank all of our worship team, all of the band for serving, the, the, the vocalists for serving, for giving your heart, our worship pastors. Thank you for leading us in the presence of God. Thank you for your faithfulness because God's presence makes all of the difference. At People's Church, we want you to worship God. We encourage you to lift your hands because we need the presence of God. We encourage you to sing the songs and to lift your voice because we need the presence of God. It's God's presence that makes all of the difference in our lives. Can I tell you, there have been times throughout the history of People's Church, I've sat right here on the front row, and there's been sometimes I've been depressed. There's been times I've been heavy burdened. There's been times I didn't have joy. And I've sat there in worship, and I can think of a few times I lifted my hands. And gave God a sacrifice of praise. I didn't feel like it. But I lifted my hands. I lifted my voice. And I began to praise God. And I can tell you God met me. Something shifted in my mind. In my heart. I started crying. 
tears coming down my face, snot coming down my face. I got to get to the green room and wipe it all off before I come out here and preach. But a breakthrough happened. And you say, well, pastor, can you explain to me kind of, it kind of break it down for me. I need a little bit of education on how all of that works before I really believe it. I don't understand it. I'm just simply telling you, when you begin to praise God, God inhabits the praises of his people. When you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And sometimes to break off the spirit of heaviness, you got to get in his presence and you got to worship and you got to magnify God and you got to lift up the name of Jesus and all of a sudden the spirit of heaviness begins to come off of you and the joy of the Lord begins to fill your life. Depression begins to break off your life and God begins to fill you with his joy in his presence. His presence makes the difference. Somebody's got to praise through today and get a breakthrough because his presence makes the difference. Number three is this. Here's, here's something else you got to do when you're facing depression. Do establish healthy habits. Do establish healthy habits. As you read back there in 1 Kings chapter 19 and specifically in verse number 5 and 6, the angel said, get some food, get some water, and get some sleep. You see, one of the keys to breaking free from depression is taking care of yourself. You need to establish healthy habits. The proper sleep is key. The proper time off to relax is key. Having a hobby that you enjoy and you can have fun is key. Like my wife already knows, it's football season, y'all. Praise the Lord. I even got a fantasy football team. You say, Pastor, you into that kid stuff? Yep, it's an outlet. I hope I win, too. Amen. Pray for my team. Praise the Lord. And the Dallas Cowboys, too. They need prayer. Last week wasn't too good. But I'm just saying, you got to have some, some hobbies in your, in your life. you got to have the proper food. The proper water is key. The right relationships are key. This is so important. We're going to take a message, an entire message, and talk about this. Because these practical things on how do we take care of ourselves so that we can get out of depression and out of a funk. We're going to look at that in this series. This is going to be dynamic the rest of this series. Number four is this. I want to move on. I want to get to this fourth one. And that is this. Do be committed to your God-given purpose. Right, right, right here, this is, this, this is so huge. Do be committed to your God-given purpose. One of the hallmarks of depression is a lack of motivation, is a loss of purpose. People start feeling like their life is meaningless. Their life doesn't matter. They start feeling empty. They start feeling worthless. They start feeling horrible. They start feeling like a burden to everybody. They start feeling purposelessness, which leads to hopelessness. And people start feeling hopeful, uh, hopeless and like they can't go on with life. And you know, one of the keys to you Overcoming depression is to get your next purpose from God. For God to show you that you have a purpose for your life. That's what happened to Elijah. God gave Elijah a new purpose and it broke him out of depression. Let me show this to you in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 15. It says, the Lord said to him, I love this, go back the way you came. Going back the way you came. You left your servant, left all those people. Going back there. Out here by yourself in this wilderness, go back the way you came. But I want you to understand something, Elijah, and go to the desert of Damascus. 
when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. He said, hey, hey, Elijah, you still got purpose. God still has a plan for your life. Elijah also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And I love this. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. Some of you may not be familiar with the Bible. Elisha got a double portion of God's anointing. Do you know why? Because Elijah spent the rest of his life. He anointed those kings because he had purpose. And then he mentored Elisha and poured into Elisha until he was taken into heaven. You know what happened to Elijah? He got new purpose. His life mattered. I'm going to go anoint some kings. My life matters. I'm going to invest in this young man and train him up to be the next prophet over Israel. And somebody needs to know today that there's still breath in your body because God has purpose for your life. I need the worship team to come right now. God has purpose for your life. You got to raise those kids and those grandkids to serve the Lord. You got to keep teaching at that school and help those kids get that education. Listen, you got to keep helping the homeless and the hurting and the broken. There's purpose on the dream team. You're not wasting time investing in that three-year-old in that class, in that four-year-old, in that 11-year-old on Wednesday nights with Epic. You're not wasting time spending time with teenagers. You're pouring your life out. You got purpose in your life. For some of you, it's with your business. You're trying to make as much money as possible and it's your purpose to make as much money so that you can give as much money as possible to the kingdom of God so that the gospel can go all around the world. It's a purpose on your life. Listen, God has purpose for your life. To build his church. I'm telling you what you do in that parking lot on Sundays matters. What you're doing as a greeter, as an usher, working that camera matters. You're helping to build God's church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. You've got purpose. You've got destiny on your life. Your life matters. God wants to use you. For some of you, it's to share your faith at your workplace. God put you in that school. He put you in that workplace to be a light. Like your life matters. How you live matters. What you say matters. There's purpose on your life. You're not an accident. God is going to use you. You're here on purpose and you need the Holy Spirit to speak that to you today. You got purpose on your life from God.